The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Sitting on a million, sitting on it every day. Can't make no money giving your stuff away. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for joining us here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us in our special Week in Review program here at the Multimedia Cafe. Some of the best interviews we've had here at the Multimedia Cafe in our Week in Review here every single week. Of course, the Multimedia Cafe, Monday through Friday. Check us out online at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. All of our schedules and radio stations, our network, and our podcasts uh, are available right there, so you can check out the whole thing. And let's see, what have we got going on today's Multimedia Cafe? It's a little relaxed time here. It's the weekend, so we're going to kick back a little bit. Talk with Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager, about a variety of things, about big data coming to the oil and gas industry. Automation, changing jobs. Boy, we got a lot of happening uh, there. Actually, it's a paradigm shift happening. And the last time for me that I experienced a paradigm shift in the industry was the internet. Uh, I've been in the media for 25, 30 years now. And when the internet came, it totally changed the way everybody did business. Everybody in the media had to do business. In fact, some people would even argue they haven't figured out how to make money yet. And so, you know, you take like a newspaper, newspaper goes online, they go bankrupt. Was that a good business decision? Because they had to go on, right? They had to go on the internet. Well, paradigm shift, that's where I'm getting at paradigm shift. So the oil and gas industry is going through a paradigm shift. When the hydraulic fracturing happened and the horizontal drilling, that changed the way the oil and gas industry operates. Those guys aren't slinging chains anymore. It's very, very engineered and white collarish almost. Very automated, remote even. So Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager, talks to us about that. And then Mike McMahon, he's the CEO of Eco Vapor Recovery Systems. Talks about their patented technology and the issue of flaring. So a uh, little oil and gas heavy today, which is great because honestly, sometimes I think we need to sit back and appreciate the fact that we can turn a light bulb on. We can drive to work. These are things that would not happen without oil and gas. Um, that's the truth. That is just the truth. In fact, uh, this last week we talked with Terry Edom. With, uh, he's a writer for the BEO report the boe report he's also an author and we talked about how you know what the oil and gas industry are probably the leaders when it comes to saving the planet and i know you might think that's an odd statement but they're the ones who are investing in the technology and creating the technology and the innovation to be environmental so honestly i look at myself jason Spees. As the planet's champion, 
somebody who's trying to save the planet. And we're doing it through oil and gas. So we're going to talk with Mike McMahon about the issue of flaring, as well as Dale Ranger about some innovation. We're going to have a fun program today, folks. Don't you like already where we're at? I, I probably cocked many of your heads like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Well, stay tuned because you're going to find out. Okay, coming up next, Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager right here on the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us, pulling up a stool, and being part of the conversation here today at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. This is our Week in Review. Coming up next, Dale Ranger. He's an Innovation Project Manager. Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager. Thank you for joining the program today. We're here to talk a little bit about innovation in the world of energy as we see it, but kind of a pre-conversation we were having. Uh, you mentioned that you're actually from Canada, so you from the British Columbia area, and you're down in Fort Worth, uh, Texas. But uh, give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, so I grew up in Canada. I grew up in British Columbia, a small town north of Vancouver, about three hours. Um, first in my family to be in the oil fields. I just sort of graduated high school and, and needed to go out to make some quick money. I wanted to become a helicopter pilot, so... Started on the rigs. I've worked all over Canada, worked all over all over the U.S., and actually wound up in Texas because I was working in um, Gabon, Africa, on a drilling rig, and um, wanted to come back to North America. And uh, Texas was where it was happening, so I landed a job here, and the rest is history. Without getting too much detailed, I've I've heard one of the biggest differences between the U.S. and Canada is you know the land and that sort of thing. Just it, how how we approach the land in terms of whether it be agriculture, even oil and gas development. With your experiences, is there any difference with how maybe the country of Canada approaches land in any sort of way versus United States? Yeah, I think in, in Canada you're dealing a lot more with um, the crown, crown's land, and so it's all government-owned, and with that comes... I was, I was going to say, and, and that's what I've heard too, is the, is the term the crown's land, yeah. Yeah, so it's all owned by the government, and so regulations are seem, seem to be a lot stricter, um, that that sort of thing. So down down here or in the U.S., you know, I've seen a lot of. Obviously, you can own your own land down here, and, and owners own mineral rights, and so you're dealing more with landowners and 
and mineral right owners as opposed to the government. Okay. So what's going on in the world of innovation these days in, in your eyes? You know, uh, the innovated, innovative energy industry is going a lot of different directions from drones to, you know, things two miles below the Earth's surface to different spherical fraxan size. So uh, what, what type of innovation are you kicking around these days? That, it's interesting because uh, in my 20 years in, in the oil field, it's, there's been definitely a, par- a paradigm shift in, in how we drill wells. I think that the, the world that I'm in is mostly in the drilling side of things. Um, and so you're having um, downhole, downhole innovation has become, become sort of the, the phrase of today, closing the communication loop between, between the surface and downhole. To better to give you a better understanding of what exactly is is going on um, in the well, so we can react more effectively and and produce produce better better wells, uh, quicker wells, more efficient wells. Um, so it's it's been pretty interesting. What types of things are you seeing for closing that communication gap? Well, rigs rigs are coming a lot more automated. Um, the the hardware and the software that's coming on the rigs. Are, are, are starting to get less less manual for for the, the employees that are actually working on the rigs. The driller is becoming more of kind of an observer as opposed to run, running a brake handle and, and turning turning gears and turning valves and that sort of thing. Mr. Dale Ranger, hold that thought for just a second. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe. I was tears old when John Lennon died. Well, I was 23 when George said goodbye. Yeah, next go, I think it's Paul, I see. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager. So what do you see what's going to happen with the world of big data? I mean, we're seeing how it works in the world of consumerism to where you things you buy, things you talk about, websites you go to. That's big data, big data that's putting together your own personalized shopping experience, your own personalized uh, website browsing experience. How and I, I that's a basic example that I think the listeners will understand of a very elementary version of big data, where it's taking all these behaviors, all these different things of of layers of information, and putting putting it together and getting one output. How do you see that happening in big in, in oil in terms of all these different layers of topography to geology to different fracking solutions and everything else like that? I think that's oh, I think that's the challenge, and I, I don't have a, a complete answer for you. But I think that every if you look at the major operators of today, I think that's the biggest challenge they're facing is looking at every facet of their business and all the data that's pouring in from from upstream, downstream, fracking, drilling, completions, and how do we and how do we look at the data on on sort of one source, one platform, 
um, because right now, you know, a lot of companies are going through fusion, a fusion um, concept or a fusion project where they're they're trying to get all this data from all these different facets into one platform that everybody can look at through the company, as opposed to being segregated. You know, completions is segregated, drilling is segregated, you know, um, pressure pumping is segregated, all these different segments are segregated and looking at different platforms to try to cipher the data. And where the real challenge comes is, is how do we get how do we get it all on one and we're all sort of talking and speaking the same language. And I, I, I don't know if there is a one solution out there right now, to be honest. Well, a lot of that's proprietary information, I would imagine. Um, so they don't want to share some of that, but some of it, the public, I would, you know, I, I get, I get that part of it, but it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, how a lot of that's going to be used and it's like each, everybody's writing their own language. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, just, just innovation in and in, in of itself is, is, is a struggle, I would say in the oil field right now, just because, um, you know, we have, we have, everybody's on a day rate. Right. And so when you're on a day rate and you have you have an operator that is drilling wells and gets all the, the, the performance and the money out of the wells and every vendor that you have is on a day rate and you tell them, bring me bring me your shiny toys, bring me your innovation, um, spend spend the capital, spend the money to bring us these innovations. But um, you're on a day rate. So the longer you're on a well, the more money you're going to make. But then we're telling you to go out and spend this capital. Um, to shorten the well duration. And so I think that another big challenge that we're seeing right now is is how do we get away from day rate? The day rate model is broken. We have all these vendors that are on day rate. And how do we get away from that? And so that's that's some of the things that we're working on as well, because if you don't get away from that, um, innovation is going to remain to be stifled. Explain that, day, by the way, Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager, with us talking about some of the challenges happening in the world of innovation in the energy industry and you mentioned day rates explain how that stifles innovation a little more so if if you have a if you have a rig on location that's drilling wells for you um meaning meaning you lease the equipment to drill that the rig is on a day rate and generally the services that are that are you know, a bolt on to the rig are on a day rate and so by nature the longer you're on a, the longer those services are on a well the more money they make does that part does that part make sense yep yep okay and then and then an operator which which has which has leased and and, and renting this equipment on a day rate to drill the well for them reaps all the benefit of the well and how much oil or gas the well produces. But when we go to these services and we go to these, these vendors or these companies and say, you know, bring us your innovation, bring us, you know, bring us the shiny new toys for lack of a better term without getting into too much detail. Well, they have to go out and spend money to do that. They have to burn capital. There's a lot of money that goes into bringing the innovations to the drill site to drill to drill faster, but they're not reaping any benefits of that. The only person that reaps the benefits is the operator. Mm-hmm. Sure. The, the, they shorten our well durations. They don't reap any benefits. So why would they do it? And so that's that's definitely stifled innovation, I think, in the in the energy business. Have you seen any issue with uh, states, regulations, governments, those types of things stifling innovation or? becoming roadblocks or actually becoming a 
hurdle between operators and in, in innovative small companies, that sort of thing? I, I have it, to be honest. Um, and that's, to answer your question, no. Okay. I, but I'm not that involved in that. And at, at my level, that's that's somebody that handles that much higher than me. They could probably speak to more intelligent than that. But uh, but no, I, I haven't seen anything. I, and I, from what I've heard, the, the Trump administration is making things easier. But that's as about as far as my knowledge will take me. Sure. Yeah. And you're talking federal level. I was talking more state, counties, that sort of thing. Because when you get down yeah. to it, um, the reason I bring it up is because a lot of what's going on right now, especially in the natural gas world, is uh, these little science projects that they're trying to get their data confirmed and they're trying to get their economics in order, that sort of thing. So it's tough when you've, you're trying to convince, you know, these operators that here we're going to reduce flaring or we're going to, you know, make some gas right on site to reduce your diesel costs. And just a number, you know what I mean? A number of different, these, these uh, value-added projects. Um those are based on innovation, and those are exploding left and right. So kind of a very long-winded question to ask you. Are, are you following any of these um, natural gas or these on-site innovative projects that are happening? I call them science projects. Are, are you following any of those, whether it's converting, you know, natural gas to, you know, liquid natural gas on-site or, um, you know, with something like that, and are you following any of this new technology and that side of innovation? Yeah, I think I, I have a very limited knowledge of it, but I think that a lot of that is very dependent on where you are in the country and what and what play you're in, you know, um, and how and how the gas essentially is is coming out of the ground for for it to make sense. I think that when you look at areas like Marcellus, where the glass the gas comes out very clean and doesn't need much refining. Um, using using your well gas to support equipment on location or support the the flaring equipment, it makes much more sense. I think when when other areas um, where the gas doesn't come out as clean, it needs much more refining. It makes it the the numbers and the dollars um, are a little bit more challenging, as well as as well as road traffic. Um, you know, if you add trucks, more 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 trucks on the road, trucks coming into location. Um, than are currently already coming in, it's it's hard to justify um, doing that. So that's very limited knowledge, but that's kind of how how it's played out. What projects are you working on right now in the innovation world? Oh, there's we have um, uh, we have we have a lot of different projects we're working on. Um, basically, rig equipment, rig automation. Uh, how do we further automate the drilling process and how do we how do we close that that communication loop I spoke about earlier? Um, one of the things that that technology brings that I think has been overlooked is is it feels like to the the field staff that's out that's out on these locations is that technology is coming to replace their jobs. And I think that you know we've done a poor job of communicating that 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 really isn't the case. Um, jobs may be repurposed, but I don't think the the technology will re replace the jobs. And I th I think that as technol as rigs become more technologically advanced, um, you have to look at changing the experience for the people on location. Um, I think that you know as as rigs themselves haven't changed in fifty years, I think neither has the accommodations and the experience of the people in the field. 
And that was Dale Ranger, Innovation Manager. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit our parent website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on our social media sites. Our entire network is available at thecrudelife.com. We've got 350,000 social media followers. Check us out at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. You know that I've lived, yeah, you know that I've tried. Well, I've told the truth, yeah, you know that I've lied. You know we do what we do so we can survive And I was two years old when John Lennon died Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. Meridian Energy Group, Inc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Mike McMahon. He's the CEO of EcoVapor Recovery Systems. Sure, Mike McMahon, EcoVapor Recovery Systems. Let's start off by talking about what is it the EcoVapor does. EcoVapor Recovery Systems has, has been in operation for about, or was founded about nine years ago. Uh, we have... Uh, patented uh, technology that uh, is very unique. It, what we do is we have uh, equipment that removes oxygen from a uh, gas, a natural gas stream. And uh, what this does is it allows operators to uh, unlock uh, all the uh, opportunities involved in, in capturing uh, tank vapors. Um, vapors are generated in a variety of uh, of ways in the uh, oil production process, uh, essentially the uh, well stream flows from the uh, wellhead through some initial uh, separation where the uh, uh, natural gas portion of that well stream is, is taken off at line pressure. And then typically the liquids flow to uh, storage tanks, which are very large. Uh, they're operated pretty much at, at atmospheric pressure. And uh, this uh, dynamic allows for the release of a lot of vapors that are uh, uh, contained or captured 
uh, in the liquid, and uh, they they're liberated because those uh, storage tanks are very large and have very long residence time, and uh, they're operated at very low pressure, so the vapor pressure of the vapor allows them to come out. Um, these vapors are typically uh, flared in many applications, or or just uh, burned or destroyed, uh, and so. Uh, our technology allows these vapors to be captured and sold uh, into the uh, gas gathering system uh, because those vapors typically contain oxygen and we, we remove that oxygen and uh, allow that vapor to be sold, which, which, uh, which opens up a whole uh, host of, uh, of opportunities and, and opportunities to bring value. You mentioned flurry, and that's something that comes up in the news quite a bit, um, especially up in, in my area, the Bakken. Uh, you're down. Where, where, where are you based out of? Our headquarters is in Denver, and uh, oh, we no have kidding. field offices uh, uh, one one north of Denver in Greeley, Colorado, and then one in uh, Midland, Texas. Okay, no kidding. So you you guys are down in the Permian, then I would imagine, or at least don't doing some business in the Eagleford, Permian, Haynesville, Texas area, correct? Yes, we have over 100 installations oh. uh, of our, uh, out in the field at this point in, in all the major basins. And how's the flaring down there? Uh, in North Dakota, it's a big issue, and there's political issues up in North Dakota where only certain companies get in and get access, that sort of thing. That's a story that's been heard over and over again up in North Dakota. Um, how is it down in where you're at? Are you guys getting... Uh, access to the proper people? Are the Texas officials keeping up with what they said they'd keep up with when it comes to uh, flaring, that sort of thing? I'm not asking you to get political here. I'm asking you to just kind of, this is your business and this is how you guys make money. And you know what? There's certain certain uh, ways that innovation needs to happen. And one of them is pushing the envelope a little bit on these guys to start, you know, getting innovation going. So, sorry, I just had to push it a little bit there. But, you know, well, you know, you understand what I mean, because I, I I feel your guys' frustration. And so, you know, it's, it's you try to be professional. At the same time, you're like, listen, you guys are the ones asking for this. Here's your solution. So, sorry about that. I'm not trying to do your sales call for you, but... Uh, <laughs> No, this is great. I appreciate the help. <laughs> but what's it like down there? I mean, you know what I mean? Because you've got, you've got the officials trying to, to actually make a conscious effort in reducing flaring, yet you got all these science projects going around. And, um, you know, it's just it's not happening yet. Is, is it? But you guys at least have 100 installations. So in your world, it's happening at least slowly or on pace by numbers, that sort of thing. Talk to me about that that business climate and that environment and that sort of thing, because it is very regulated. Sure. So uh, re rewinding in time, you know, a, a few years, uh, there was a time when vapors that are generated in the production of oil and gas were, were just simply released to the atmosphere uh, without without being burned. Uh, but, you know, but uncombusted hydrocarbons being released in the atmosphere are much more damaging than, than combusted hydrocarbons. So, you know, over the last, you know, years, uh, regulations and, and uh, you know, regulatory oversight of, of the uh, uh, combustion flaring of uh, vapors has, has become, you know, the, you know, the, the status quo in, in every state. Uh, EPA obviously has federal regulations, and then, and then each state has a little bit different uh, process for managing uh, the, the flaring 
process. So, uh, so flaring originally came about, you know, as a as a more environmental friendly solution to the vapor being generated, you know, than than just releasing it uncombusted. Uh, but it, it is it is regulated, and so you know there are uh, emissions, you know, emissions uh, from from these uh, flares that have to be managed. Uh, so. Our technology takes what is a waste stream, you know, currently a waste stream, and turning it into uh, into into revenue, uh, and also improving the uh, emissions uh, profile, you know, and the environmental footprint of the uh, well site. So what we see with many clients is that uh, they they want to improve their emissions profile uh, and their uh, de-risk their environmental compliance by capturing this vapor instead of selling it so it makes good good business sense from a revenue standpoint and good sense from a uh, regulatory compliance standpoint but additionally you know these flares are very visible and uh, you know it, it is becoming uh, you know I guess just more of a sensitive issue uh, with uh, with the public as, as they drive by or, or you know fly over and and see flares burning you know they, they identify that as, as as waste and something that they would you know, prefer not to see. So there is, you know, there is also those, uh, you know, more intangible uh, reasons why why many clients want to want to work with us and come up with a uh, a solution for for capturing that that vapor and turn the flares out. You know, and I, I honestly, I think this is something that needs to be nipped in the bud pretty quick because I think what you said is going to happen more and more where people are going to start pushing back a little bit more on this flaring because this is something that is supposed to have been solved over the last 10 years. And if people aren't seeing it's being done, they're going to start questioning, okay, why isn't this being done? Like the one, the one thing I'm hearing up in like North Dakota, up in the Bakken is uh, there's money set aside to help companies to reduce flaring. But then the, the companies go, the dollars go to the same companies who then work with the universities and so a lot of the smaller companies have a hard time breaking through and getting past that next thing. And if you're the big companies, why wouldn't you not work with the universities? Because it's cheaper and you, the regulatories work right with you, that sort of thing. And so in, up in the Bakken, they got to compete with the universities um, and the government quite a bit for some of these flaring things. And, and they didn't hit their last mark. And so that's kind of one of the issues happening up there. Um, and like I said, I'm not trying to get into politics here because that stuff just already happened. That's done with. That's just a fact. Um, right. Yeah. Are, well, are, are you guys seeing any, I guess, uh, government dollars or government assistance to help you get in with some of these companies? Because let's be honest, you know, some of these bigger companies, they don't even have offices around here. They're like in, you know, some other Dubai or something like that. So <laughs> you, you understand right. what I mean, though, is that what, to, what type of assistance is happening? Because um, the taxpayers have paid a lot of money to help reduce the flaring. That's where I'm getting at. And, and, and the whole idea is companies like yours are the ones that are help reducing this problem. So, yeah. Sure. No, that's a great question. I would say, first of all, just to maybe frame frame the phenomenon of flaring, obviously in, in order for our solution to, to be viable, uh, the producer has to have a pipeline. You know, they have to have infrastructure and a, and a gas pipeline in place to, for as a gathering system to collect the gas and, and bring it to a, you know a gas processing facility. So you know there there may be some you know 
the flaring of, of uh, gas that's taking place. Mr. Mike McMahon, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Mike McMahon, the CEO of EcoVapor Recovery Systems. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. We can review... Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. So here's to all of the good thinkers and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know let this moment pass welcome back to the multimedia cafe my name is jason Spees. this is our multimedia cafe we can review i need to do a proper introduction multimedia cafe we can review okay my name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Mike McMahon, the CEO of EcoVapor Recovery Systems. You know, in cases where it is viable, you know, we're seeing that there's a lot of operators, you know, no matter where their headquarters is, who, who want to want to do the right thing and uh, just want to, uh, you know, reduce their, their greenhouse gas emissions, uh, reduce, you know, r- reduce their environmental footprint and, and their environmental, uh, you know, regulatory exposure. So we have a we have a lot of clients that you know work with us. There's a couple of large operators in the Permian who have basically come to us and said, "Let's work together on uh, designing a system and coming up with a solution for capturing the tank vapor instead of you know instead of flaring it. And uh, if it makes money for us, great. But if it doesn't, that's okay too because we want to we want to put the flares out. So uh, there's there's uh, more and more operators are taking that that proactive approach. What I love about our approach is, or, or our solution, is that uh, you know not only do we you know put the flares out and reduce the uh, emissions, but it also makes uh, very good economic sense in in most cases, and and so it's it's uh, it's something that's really a win-win-win. 
for the for the producer. They get uh, more revenue. They get a, a more uh, a de- uh, from an environmental standpoint, uh, cleaner footprint and a de-risked site environmentally. And there's uh, positive uh, safety implications for the site as well. Well, let's talk numbers a little bit. Talk turkey, if you would mind. Um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of the natural gas or the, um, uh, you know, the value-added uh, technology innovation has, hasn't been adapted as they say cost. It's not making money. And, and that's where I adapted the term science projects. They've got science projects going on some of these wells. Well, that was five, six, seven, eight years ago. And it sounds to me, if you guys are installing the number that you are um, and you guys are making some money for people over at uh, Eco Vapor Recovery Systems, Michael McMahon, Mike McMahon's joining us, the CEO, Eco Vapor Recovery Systems. Uh, take a minute and talk a little bit about, are you guys saving monies for your customer? I know you mentioned that some people are doing it out of goodness of their heart, but let's let's be honest, that's not everybody out there because people need to be, pay their bills, et cetera. Are, are you guys, you know, saving some money for companies, that sort of thing? Take an opportunity and, and give it, give yourself a nice, nice commercial, if you will. Sure. No, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that segue. You know, uh, yeah, you know, everyone's process and, and everyone's situation is different. Obviously, the, the more vapor that's present on a site, you know, then, then the more uh, potential revenue stream and, and the economics become more favorable. Uh, you know, just to give you some numbers, uh, this, the, the typical unit that we provide to uh, oil and gas producers can process uh, 300,000 uh, cubic feet of, of uh, vapor per day. Uh, and with one of those units, if it's if it's fully loaded, in other words, if it's if it's run at full capacity, uh, you know, it, it if we do a lease arrangement, uh, it will it will pay, about the first five days of each month pays the lease cost, and the rest is uh, is is pure incremental profit for the producer. So, from a straight economic standpoint, uh, you know, uh, on a site of reasonable scale, uh, we can demonstrate very favorable economics. Now, just to caveat that and not get too technical, you know, there are different uh, types of uh, gas gathering systems and different contracts out there. Uh, and so it, it really depends on the specifics of those contracts. But, you know, in, in most cases where there is a uh, reasonable volume of vapor available on a site, uh, the economics are, are very, very favorable. I'm talking about in the hundreds of thousands of dollars per year of uh, net net incremental uh, cash flow to the customer. <laughs> Some of the other ways that we also, you know, provide economic value is uh, obviously by, by de-risking a site environmentally, by, by turning a well pad into a zero emissions well pad, uh, you know, then the exposure to, to fines uh, in case of, uh, you know, in case of exceeding near uh, permit, you know, those obviously that is, that is de-risked. Um, there are some regions of the country where uh, there's a limit on how much emissions can take place off of a well pad. And so that just uh, limits the, the amount of production or the number of wells that can be located on a pad uh, if, you're, if you're flaring uh, your, your vapor. Uh, because you know, once, once they reach the uh, maximum allowed uh, volume of, of uh, flaring, then they can't add any more production. Obviously, if we if our solution comes in and, and makes that pad a zero emissions pad, then you can co-locate many more wells on that one uh, location, 
and uh, that that allows the producer to be much more efficient with their capital you know, they put many more wells and concentrate on one pad so their site development costs and some of the uh, you know common pieces of equipment separation equipment that sort of thing that would be on a pad you know that, that capital is used much more efficiently so we uh, we bring that economic value as well hope i'm not getting too technical but uh additionally uh, from a safety standpoint uh we allow the uh, producer to run a uh, safer uh pad where first of all you you don't have a flare and the exposure of, of the flare uh, you also have uh storage tanks that are operated at lower pressures and, uh, and so there's less exposure and less exposure to vapor uh, for the uh, for the employees uh, out on the uh, out on the well pad so there are many different ways that, that we bring value and uh, and you know hard hard dollars uh, to the table and so once we uh, can sit down with a uh, with a producer you know with a potential client and and show them you know how our uh, technology unlocks the oppor- all these opportunities. Uh, typically, it's a it's a very it's a very positive conversation. They look at it and go, "Wow, I I want to I want to do that. How can you help me do that?" And that was Mike McMahon, the CEO of EcoVapor Recovery Systems. To listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe Week in Review is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all of our social media sites. It's available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab and be part of our 350,000 social media followers. That's going to do it for today's program. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. And if you're listening to us via the Internet, downloading us on our website or maybe on iTunes or some of the other podcast platforms we're on appreciate it very much for choosing us as part of your content i understand there's a million different content sources out there and we appreciate it very much we bring you exclusive interviews we try to be your eyes and ears in this busy busy world and also entertain you a little bit too just to make sure that uh, learning is uh, a little bit fun i guess all right, that's going to do it for today's program, folks. Thank you, Dale Ranger, Innovation Project Manager, and Mike McMahon, the CEO of EcoVapor Recovery Systems, for joining us here on the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. From the staff at the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Hot stuff will say, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. 
and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 